0: Get used to the mantra, all gas, no break. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson at WillPa11 on Twitter, joined by a special guest of, uh, of the Badlands podcast and uh, Bleacher Report football draft coverage, Connor Rogers. How's everything going today, Connor? good well what's going on man good to be no, here nothing uh nothing too crazy exciting time we got you know free agency in the next couple of days and it'll be uh, a telling sign of the, the how the jet season is going to play out in my opinion and um so we just want to we're going to talk through today a little bit of draft coverage but we're going to do more so free agency with uh you know this uh this exciting time here so i'm going to run through a couple of um different positions and some potential free agent targets for the jets i want you to give me a yes or no and if it's a yes how realistic that that person may be so um let's we'll let's start running back wise um and then we'll kind of filter through we'll start aaron jones probably the biggest and most talented name on the uh the free agency market would you be in or out based on i know levy stuff like that might be a little clouded judgment for jets fans
1: So I think for me, you'd really have to gauge the price on this one, right? Because from everything I had heard, why things didn't work out with Green Bay and Aaron Jones over this last year, they try to get something done. It was that, understandably, the guy wants an Alvin Kamara, you know, at least close to an Alvin Kamara kind of payday. So for me, that I would be out. I, I don't think that fits the Jets. I think they learned the hard way about spending on running back. I think it's a position you can draft in round three plus. Especially in a wide zone scheme, you just seem to find these guys that can fit that scheme uh, later on, as we've seen San Francisco do a lot. So I'd probably be out, but if it's one of those weird situations in a bad year of a market where he goes, wow, I didn't play this right. I got to take a one year prove it deal, then it's always good to add to your offense.
0: Let's move on to Kenyon Drake.
1: Yeah. So for this one, I'm not as high as a lot of people. If you're going to go pay a guy like Kenyon Drake, you might as well go find somebody comparable in round three. I look at Michael Carter. I look at Kenny Gainwell, but I think we'll actually both be maybe better within two years. So, you know, do I think the money is there for Kenyon Drake? Probably not. The running back market's never typically good, um, but I, I'm, I'm just a little underwhelmed to be honest with you and think once again, the Jets have so much draft capital later on between rounds three and five that you probably find a guy very comparable there.
0: We'll go last two running backs since I feel like it's a position that, like, the Jets, I, I agree with you, I'm very far out on Kenny and Drake. Um, let's go Marlon Mack, and then we'll finish out with, um, we'll finish out with Jamal Williams, two guys who seem a little more realistic.
1: Yeah, so this is a yes for both, and and this is way more realistic than the first two you mentioned, because you start with Marlon Mack. You're coming off an Achilles. You're probably not looking good for the contract you're going to get. You're definitely in the one-year prove-it deal. You're not going to get guaranteed money outside of that first year. Uh, Marlon is quietly – could be a gem of this for agent class. Uh, he had a phenomenal season before he got hurt last year. He, he's a you know, great locker room guy. I got to spend some time around him at Super Bowl Radio Row. Just quiet, humble, uh, very fitting in what Joe Douglas would want in that running back room. Where, you know, am I a doctor and can speak to the medicals? No. But in terms of value and what he can be, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that, we could be talking about a one-year, $4 million deal max with incentives. Jamal Williams is a big yes for me. And I'll tell you why more so than Kenyon Drake. Because people might say, well, you, you think you could draft one. Phenomenal in pass protection. protection uh, really good pass catcher. Love his energy. Can create yards after contact everybody sits there and looks at the stats but go no look at the games when Aaron Jones was hurt and what he can do filling in as a full-time role he's the breakout guy that you're sitting there going he's been waiting to get to free agency he's been buried on the depth chart I would be comfortable giving him three years 12 million even if you had to with some guarantees in that second year I like Jamal Williams a lot
0: yeah I agree with you on both those guys quick draft question at the running back position on we'll just do it that way we'll end with a uh, one draft prospect, Javante Williams. Where are you at on him? I know my brother's super high on him. Um, how are How do you feel about Javante?
1: You could watch the film from last year and say he had the best 2020 film with a running back. So you really can. It's it's tremendous. Uh, I actually just wrote him up for the Badlands draft guide. And he came in at running back three. And the only running back I think that'll finish with a round two grade. I had Najee Harris and Etienne in round one, Javante in round two and then a ton of guys in round three. And I look at him and go, you know, he could easily be a top 50 pick. First off, everyone raves about his character. I mean, really one of the leaders at UNC Uh, tremendous tackle breaker, and it's not just running through you. I think there is a little shake there that surprised me for someone that's 225 pounds. So I think Javante Williams, he's kind of a locomotive downhill. He reminds me of Chris Carson a little bit where I wonder how long that running style lasts in today's NFL. Are you going to be great for eight years anymore? I don't know. But can you be really good for five? Probably. I think he's one of those guys you take in the second round. And familiarity in the in the zone scheme that UNC runs, plenty, plenty of zone principles. So you don't worry about adjustment. He's plug and play. So Javante Williams, he, he's exciting. And honestly, if he was the best rookie rusher next year because landing spots are so volatile, it wouldn't shock me at all.
0: Yeah, no, it's funny. I, I didn't, I didn't mention Chris Carson as a free agent potential guy just because I feel like every year there's an injury. It's like just a great three weeks. And then it's like foot injury, back injury, knee. It's just like, he's great when he's on the field, but I don't know that I just they ran him
1: into the ground.
0: Yeah. yeah. I can't see the jets wanting to go after that type of guy. So let's shift to wide receiver. I think it's a position, um, you know, it's just as well as I do Joe Douglas and Sal have both mentioned publicly explosive playmakers, um, everybody's mentioned receiver. Let's start Galladay. He's probably the biggest name on the market. I think he's the most unrealistic one just based on the money. I don't see the Jets giving it Amari Cooper, um, you know, DeAndre Hopkins type contract, but would you be in on Galladay or out?
1: I, I would surprisingly be out and I like the player. Now, I think the problem is you're coming off an injury season at a position where, boy, do the Jets know wide receiver injuries and you kind of nailed it. This is going to be a significant deal. He's probably sitting there par- having a party that he didn't get franchise tags because with Alan Robinson and Godwin not getting franchise tag, it almost solidifies him as this top guy that'll get maybe 18 to $20 million a year. I, I don't see the jets doing that. Uh, my team building philosophy, I wouldn't do that unless you're talking about someone really special and, and maybe he develops into that guy and, The numbers with Stafford are great. There's no denying that. I just think the Jets are a team that, once again, it's a great wide receiver class. They can draft there. And I think you can. we're going to talk about some of the mid-tier guys. I think there's mid-tier guys that make a little bit more sense to develop this rounded-out core where you feel good about maybe four of your wide receivers rather than two of them.
0: Yeah, the only thing with Galladay that concerns me just a little bit is that he was probably the third-best receiver on the market, and now all of a sudden he's the first guy, and it's like, I don't know. You t- to take up 20 million dollars in your cap, unless it's an Allen Robinson or a guy that's even higher, like a top five, top six guy, just it's tough for me to convince. Plus, Mims, if Mims develops to what you think he is, he He's does do it. a lot of the similar things. <laughs> and then in that Shanahan offense, you need people that can um, you know, be working the slot. So we'll go to we'll go to Juju next. He's probably the most polarizing guy in the market. I know people are so indifferent, Jets fan base specifically is so indifferent on Juju. I personally would be in, where would you be at?
1: Yeah, I would, I would be in two. Now, I'm really struggling to figure out what kind of dollar he commands on this market because you will have teams that, it sounds crazy, but they, they won't love the TikTok stuff and all that stuff. And that's not the reason you won't get a mega deal. It's just something that some GMs will be like, we don't want that kind of guy. And Juju's a great person. There's nothing wrong with him in terms of character. I think his teammates like him. Uh, he's obviously a very tough player, a hard-nosed player that can produce out of the slot can make tough catches over the middle of the field. If you're going to be running this Shanahan pass game, you're going to want your intermediate wide receivers to be able to go through traffic. You really are and at the middle of the field. So I, I kind of sit there and go, here's how I would do it, Will. If you're going to sign Juju, you might be looking to trade or cut Crowder. And I like Crowder, but I think that's the kind of situation where you go, okay, we're going to get a little younger here. We're going to get a little different here. And we're going to add our speed in the draft because we know there's a lot of speed there. So I don't think Juju commands crazy money, and I would definitely, uh, definitely at least make the call.
0: Yeah. So I saw something this morning, uh, Ian Rappaport talking about Juju looking for ten million a year. If you're a Jets fan, a Crowder's at eleven five, and he's four years older with a much bigger injury history. Um, I'm not. It's not a. People get mad. A lot of the turn of the Jets and Badland stuff is like it doesn't. It's not anti-Crowder. It's just you know, putting a value on a slot position yeah. and Juju to me, 75% of his targets uh, caught last year, 70% for his career is really impressive. It's a much higher number of crowders at like 59, five. Um, and I know it's a different system and all those types of things, but nine touchdowns last year and what felt like everyone's like, Oh, we didn't have a thousand yards, but yards are so pretty, like based on scheme too. It's not like Juju. Absolutely. So f- like, I mean, well. if Juju costs 440. 440- with 30 of it,
1: not 30 of it, 24, 24. of it guaranteed, like, I, that just seems like easy money. It really does. I mean, that's that's not high money for a wide receiver.
0: Yeah, especially a guy that I think, look, I everyone knows I like Sam, but Sam's realistically not going to be here. I think if Sam were, were to be here, I think it'd be a more realistic thing just because Juju's best college season and Sam's best college season aligned, you know, all that type of stuff. But, um, you know, moving to a guy, I think a lot of the turn of the jets, Badlands, you've talked about a lot. Curtis Samuel, I would be in. Where would you be at?
1: Yeah, I'd be in. It's just a no-brainer. You, you got to replace speed. Um, you know, everybody loves to talk about his role in the offense and it if it it's, you know, jet sweeps, uh winning downfield, really just a guy that you're gonna manufacture touches to because you know what he could do with the ball in his hands. You know, a lot of people forget Curtis Samuel is a Brooklyn guy. I wonder if there is any part of him that's like, hey, I'd like to come home if the money adds up. So maybe, you know, the Jets don't usually have a lot of advantages in free agency. Maybe they do have a quiet one with Curtis Samuel. It makes me wonder. I think that's one of the no-brainer fits because I think there was a lot of meat left on the table when you look at his targets in terms of their quarterback play, where it's like, man, the ball is just not there for him and he's getting open. And I'm not saying everything will be perfect with the Jets this year on offense or quarterback, but... I do think he's a player that is on the right trajectory where you sign him and you're getting a little bit more looking forward than you were looking
0: back. Yeah, I think the other thing that's the key with Samuel, and I, I mentioned, I forgot to mention this with Juju, is Juju's a great blocker. And I think Mims has proved that he was a really good blocker. And I know fans don't want to hear about receivers blocking, but it matters in, that, in that offense, it matters. Like the reason, part of the reason Devontae Freeman was so good is Julio is an incredible blocker on the outside and if you can beat that first level guy you need receivers to put an effort there but yeah Samuel makes a ton of sense I don't think he'll cost a lot maybe between six and eight million um again a guy that's 24 years old gonna be 25 next year but those are the type of free agencies free agent moves I feel like the Jets haven't made recently is signing guys entering their prime not guys that are on the back half obviously Le'Veon Mosley and all those those type of guys but um last free agent receiver we'll go to I don't want to cover Kendrick Bourne. I feel like it's not, if he signs with the Jets, it's nice and it's an an additional piece. But uh, Will Fuller seems to be a name that's constantly linked. Kind of feels to me a little bit like a poor man's Robbie in terms of staying healthy. Um, I don't love the fact that he's been suspended multiple times. Um, But where would you be in on Fuller? Because I feel like he's a polarizing talent, especially with the Deshaun links as well.
1: I think he's a really good player. I, I just I'm with you that this is a high risk signing, and I I just don't really see them being a high risk free agency team anymore. I, I really don't. I think that you saw them take their risk in the draft, right? Beckton, no matter what people think now, Beckton was a risk. He he was an exciting prospect, but you had to worry about the weight. You had to worry about you know obviously getting that conditioning up, and and he bought in and he was great mims was you know three-year productive college player but he he had that designation of like freak athlete uh will it translate and he looked good he looked really good so i think they take their swings in the draft i don't think they take their swings in free agency fuller like you said suspension uh serious health you know great when he plays i think that they'll they'll go a little lower dollar at free agency because i think fuller does get a really nice contract so probably out on this one
0: yeah the other thing i was thinking too is like I'm, I love Beckton. I'm still like, I'm still worried that he's always going to have to like be so bought in conditioning wise. You look at Trent Brown. Um, it's not a bashing of Beckton at all, but it's my problem with Zion NBA wise. is just like people that are that naturally big when they start Body to put on even more adult muscle, when he turns 25, 26, like, are you 400 pounds? Can you play it that way? But <laughs> um a draft guy. Uh, the top three guys to me are really polarizing. Where are you at on Bateman? Because I'm really high on him. And I think people are kind of sleeping on the fact that if he's there, at 23 or 34, like, I don't know if he gets oh. there. I don't think I, he gets I take there, him every time.
1: I take him every time. I've actually been perplexed uh, keeping up with his mock draft trends that he, he's just not valued the way that clearly you and I see him. I was I was telling the PFF guys that, you know, and and Mike Renner, who's their draft analyst, does a great job. He, he kind of is on this side with me. and It sounds like you are. Bateman is a lot closer to that tier of Chase Waddle and Smith than on the other tier. It's bizarre. I, everyone sits and looks at him and goes, oh, you know, he's this round two wide receiver. I don't, I think he's closer to tier one than people want to realize. I compare it to Keenan Allen. I, I mean, you look at it and go, the releases off the line of scrimmage are phenomenal. He catches everything in the middle of the field. Uh, good body, tough after the catch, like, I mean, the real deal, the real deal, and maybe it's people are realizing, you know, not realizing that Minnesota gave him nothing this year from the quarterback position, but I would take Bateman at 23 every time, and if he made it to 34, it becomes the most no-brainer pick that the Jets could make in this draft.
0: It's pretty funny. One of my childhood really good friends, a coach is at Minnesota, and he was like, he's the best receiver in the draft. I'm like, you're being biased, obviously. It's like, it's your guy. He's like, no, he's the best receiver in the draft, and I was like, he could be. I was like, okay, like I'm bought in, you watch him practice every day. So we'll move on to tight end. Uh, I think that there's only a couple guys I really like at the tight end position. Um, John Smith's one of them. Um, I would be in because I think it's really risky to go in the year with Herndon and Ryan Griffin. I'm a huge, I'm very outspoken. I don't want Ryan Griffin on their roster um, next year, but uh, I just don't like guys that grow their hair out that just to say they grew it out so they can play the rest of their career with their hair grown out um (laughs) all right dude go get another bar fight on draft night uh but johnny smith where are you at on him
1: in all the way uh probably my top five guys i'd want in the spray agency class i I think that once again there's a lot left on the table to be more productive than he's been in tennessee you watch the targets he's been great tremendous speed up the seam tremendous you know San Francisco likes to get really creative with those tight end fullback screens. He's perfect for that. when he gets his foot in the ground and gets upfield, he's got he's got breakaway speed. Linebackers don't run with him. They really don't. So John New Smith for me uh would be would be a priority signing for me.
0: I mean, yeah, I agree. And then the other guy I'm really intrigued by just the way like Nick Vey used him is Gerald Everett. I think he's somebody that is a sick athlete. And the only thing that concerns me a little bit is that like he couldn't get past Tyler Higby it felt like it was like they were competing so much with targets and that only worries me just a little bit it's so like why wasn't McVeigh using him even more but then again I guess you could also go they have Woods and Cup in the slot Higby's probably slightly better blocker but where are you out in Gerald Everett
1: it would be like getting the light version in, in terms of Johnny Smith and you know you make a great point that is the one concern because I remember watching the uh, Amazon special and they showed McVay in the stands at the Combine, just like loving Gerald Everett. And then they took him higher than they took Higby. So, you know, the politics of the NFL is you always get your your higher picks. You do whatever you can to make them look good so you look good and everyone's happy. Uh, and that's how that Everett's been a bad player. But I, I agree with you that it feels like a really good athlete that just hasn't fully figured it out yet. There's been flashes. And, you know, maybe Herndon is the same way where you're going, okay, we have this guy on the roster already. So, I'm 50 50 on it because I would like to be in the building right now and figuring out where is Chris Herndon at did you know Adam Gase alienate this guy is he focused on football because if he is then I'm not going to pay Gerald Everett but if if I'm not relying on Chris Herndon at all I think you got to make some kind of move at tight end you can't this tight end the draft is terrible for tight end I'll tell you right now like there's guys that have roles like some guys can catch some guys can block like Kyle Pitts is a star, you know, there's there's a couple of guys on round two to five that can play, but you're not going in and finding your franchise tight end and run in round four like you feel like you usually can. So this is one of the trickier ones in terms of decisions.
0: Yeah, and Bill, I was going to say, I don't I don't really want to cover that much with the draft in terms of tight end because Kyle Pitts is probably arguably the best player in the draft, depending on who you talk to just from a non, like just take position out of it. Yeah. Um, and unless the jets are keeping Sam and trading back, which obviously doesn't seem likely, uh, then Kyle Pitts doesn't really see on the conversation, not really yeah. worth talking about unless that something changes in which I still think you, there's other positions you address, but um, yeah, I, I don't love the tight end class. Everyone seems to be really all over the place on who they like anyways in that class. So um And let's move a little just to the O-line, because I think that's a position that will get addressed quickly. Um, Two guys I really like, and I I assume you like as well, Lindsley and Tooney. How aggressive would you be to get those guys in the building?
1: I would see if I could make a mega play to get both. I I really would. Now, I know every fan base is probably thinking the same thing. Now, I think the question comes down to if you can only get one, who do you go with? Do you sign Lindsley and kick McGovern to guard? Uh, Do you sign Tooney and, you know, roll with McGovern at center? I I actually, you know, this might be a hot take. I might actually feel better about uh, signing Lindsley, kicking McGovern to guard, because I think I can get my other guard in the draft. Now, if you get, you know, like I said, if you can make a play for both, it would be a coup. It would be Joe Douglas's best move since becoming the Jets GM since trading Jamal Adams for a haul. So they are no brainers. Um, I think the Jets get one. I really do. And I think, you know, I don't like be the hot takey fan kind of guy. I, I think it would be a bit of a failure if the Jets didn't get one of the two.
0: Yeah, I agree with you because I just, the guard positions are really bad. I mean, I watched, I rewatched that Bill's game. Um, the one where like Sam came back and looked really good and then was really bad in the second half. But like Josh Andrews, Every single snap, I was like, Sam's going to die. Like, it's like, I was like, actually felt legitimately bad to like, even Pete Ryan guys were in the ball, like they're going to get blown up right away. So I can't have that anymore. It's interesting to see how the Jets value guard um, with a guy like Cam Clark, just because Joe Douglas did take a shot on him last year in the draft. And he didn't dress. he dressed like two games. Um, I'd be interested, similar to the way you kind of talked about with Herndon, how much they value some of the guys they have in the building already. Um, I love Elijah Tucker in the draft. I don't know if he even gets to 23. Hopefully he does. Um, but yeah, they have to come away with one of those two top guards, in my opinion, or guard slash center guys, in my opinion. Who's maybe an under-the-radar guy round two, three, and four the Jets could snag um, at that guard spot that you think is realistic? Not Maybe not at 34, even in the early third round. That could fill us void if they don't get um, a top guard.
1: That's a good one. I think when you look at it, you know, these a lot of these guys played a lot of positions in college, first off. So I think, you know, some people know them as centers. Now looking at scheme fit, I kind of wonder how they would like Creed Humphrey, that is definitely a center but has played a little guard. Uh, you, you know he can move. He had his pro day yesterday, and he he tested very well. And I think you see it on film. You don't really worry about that. So
0: his, He was pretty electric, I got to be honest with you. Yes.
1: So <laughs> I, I think Creed Humphrey would be the one that you go – Okay, we think he fits the scheme. You know, I know people are like, oh, he should be a first rounder. I just don't think the league values guys like that in the first round anymore. It's it's unfair to him, but it is what it is. So I I think you're looking at, you know, Creed Humphrey as that day two guy. You sit there and go, we know he can play him anywhere along the interior, and we know he can play right away because he's played a billion games already for Oklahoma, and he fits the scheme. So that would be the one for me um you know a lot of these guys I kind of question I like them but I question how well they can move like is Leatherwood a guy that played tackle and you know he played guard early in his career at Alabama is he someone that is around two or three guard pick in the NFL because I think Leatherwood has some really really good reps as well and then a lot of these guys are, are you know once again like Ben Cleveland Deontay Brown Quinn Miners, they, they're all interior offensive linemen, but I kind of like them better for just pure man blocking schemes.
0: Yeah, it's pretty interesting. A guy that Christian um, Dyer mentioned on the podcast, he was he was a little down on Leatherwood, just as like a top fifty guy. He was like, I think he's maybe a top seventy-five guy. But one of the guys that he's interesting it's Rashawn Slater, he's like, he might be a great tackle, but he'd be an all-pro level guard for a decade. I agree. Um, and I just think it's it's inter- interesting that, like, people are like, oh, it's a good, bad thing that you have an all-pro guard. Like, God forbid Alan Fanek is on your roster. Um, we've seen that before. That works. But um, shift to the defensive side of the ball, just a couple of guys. And, you know, how do you feel about the cornerback position? Because I'm really high on J.C. Horn and Farley, a little higher than I am on Sirs Hand, just because I think, like – if you flip JC Horn and Sertain on um, in terms of who they played for, I think you would view JC Horn as a top ten pick. Do you think the Jets A, go there, and how do you kind of feel about those guys?
1: Well, I think they got to sign one, right? Because this uh, this is a group that is lacking, and Salah, you know, Salah knows that he needs to get his corners and, and pass rushers because uh, they'll they'll really work together in this defense. And I, I think that you know, I kind of feel like they might be. I don't want to say out on like Farley, but I think he goes too high, you know, Sertan, I think even, you know, might go too high for them. And then you do get into the JC Horn conversation at 23. Love him there. I think he's a great fit. Like, you know, I think you and I see eye to eye to this. My three guys at 23 that I would hammer home every day to be picked there would be Elijah Vera Tucker, JC Horn and Rashad Bateman, you know, one at each position. I just think it's, you know, an OG Laurie, although I, I don't know, well, you know, OG Laurie, I'm, I'm skeptical on it if he's there but we'll see um those are the four that it's like no duh but then you get into the you know the guys after that let's talk corner after that or 34 or 66 I think Melifonwu from Syracuse is like perfect cover three corner the, the click and close he's got the speed to take the deep third uh I think that he looks really good at the senior bowl he looks really good on film he's going to test very well so Melifonwu is somebody that, you know, iffy Melifonwu, he's somebody that I think is a really nice fit there. Let's so not forget they don't even have a slot corner right now. Like I think they got to sign a K-1 Williams or or bring back Brian. So I feel
0: like he's got to be a favorite of that. I know Yeah, just, like they gotta solid be a guy.
1: There. Yeah, you know, maybe they they like to give Sherman a one year, nine million dollar deal, come be that veteran presence. So you got to sign one, you gotta draft one, you might have to sign two. Uh, it's a decent corner class. It, it really is. Even somebody like Elijah Molden in, in round two can play the slot and can play a versatile safety role. Uh, it's been just tremendous in coverage. Might be one of the, if not the best cover player in the draft, just from what I've seen. He's just these five ten one ninety one nineties. People don't care. That's how it goes. So they got options and, and they got a, a lot. They'll use a lot of their assets financially and draft capital wise to fill corner holes.
0: The other guy that was a little polarizing, me was Shaq Griffin, um, just because comes from that Seattle background. I think he's a – I don't think he's quite like, – I don't have as high of a uh, ceiling on him as I think other people do. I think it's really difficult. That defense was really bad last year, and they had some really good players. And I'm not just going to blame Jamal Adams. Um, but when you have two potential Hall of Fame guys in KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner, and Jamal's really good. You have a guy like Shaq Griffin, and they're getting gashed. Every week in wow. the Jets game, it's really difficult for me to be like, oh my god, I want this guy so badly. So are you like it it tells a, you the
1: story of this defense? It's a good preview of this defense. If your pass rushers can't get upfield and win, your secondary is gonna get eaten alive if they're not elite. It's not the Legion of Boom over there anymore. There's not Prime Sherman, there's not Prime Cam. There's not Prime Earl. Uh, so I'm with you that you know, Shaq Griffin, a capable starter in, in that scheme. Yeah, but is he somebody that'll look really bad when everything's not going right? He could, and I just don't know why you pay someone like that. So you sign him for a low money deal because you need starters. I get that, but if you think he's like the answer, yeah, then I'm with you. That Seattle, all their all their problems started up front, and that'll Jets fans will learn probably early because I don't know if they'll have enough enough pass rushers to really cover it up. If you don't have it up front in this defense, it's going to hurt you on the back end real quickly.
0: Yeah, we'll just we'll wrap up with some of the edge rushers, just real quick. Shaq Barrett, I mean, Brady's cap hit just went down 19 million dollars and they cleared 19 million in cap space. It's Shaq Barrett's going back to Tampa Bay. I'm willing to put my name on that one. It'd be disappointing. I love Shaq Barrett. I think he's been a top five edge rusher in the NFL the last two years. I know sacks were down, but the Super Bowl should have showed you exactly what kind of player he is. Um, Yannick, Carl Lawson – and I'll go bud Dupree's the three guys. Maybe Riddick is the fourth potential guy, but where do you see who, who should be the Jets number number one target? And are any of those guys you're like, eh. Yeah,
1: it would be Carl Lawson would be the number one target for me. I think the money adds up. I think the, the film production's great. You know, people look at the sack numbers and kind of shrug, but the film production's great. Same, it was great you brought that up with Shaq Barrett. The pressure's sky high, maybe the sack numbers down. Um, I, I think you look at Lawson. Uh, you know, obviously Yannick Ngakwe is someone that is going to get a lot of money, and I think he's a little overrated, but he's still a better, a better edge rusher than the Jets have had since Abraham, so it's not like you sit there and complain. And, and then, you know, I think Trey Hendrickson is quietly a name that's kind of interesting, you know, coming off a 13-sack season in, in New Orleans and only getting better. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they went the down that road. doesn't scare you. Yeah, I, no, there are some aesthetic issues there that are, are definitely uh, questionable at best. So they got options, which is good. Bud coming off an injury, but, you know, an ascending player as well before that. So Lawson would be the top one for me. It kind of goes back, I loved him at Auburn and, and just think that uh, he's the real deal. And he's young, and, you know, he hit free agency early, not being a first round pick. And, and I think whoever pays him, if he stays healthy, I mean, I think he's a top 10 pass rusher when he's healthy.
0: Yeah, I think the interesting thing with the edge rush market is like Yannick's good, not great. And if you're expecting him to be a 15 to 20 sack season guy, he's not going to be in do trouble. That. But if you're cool with 10 sacks, a lot of pressures and makes Q better, good. That's fine. I just like don't want Jets fans to face on him to be like, oh my God, we just got JJ Watt. Like you didn't. You got like more of a Calvin Pace type of production guy, which is good again, but just temper your expectations. Last two things, I'll just shoot at you real quickly. I think I kind of – I know where you stand on Sam, but A, where do you think Sam ends up? And then B, is Marcus May on the opening day roster?
1: So I think Sam will end up either in Washington. Uh, You know, it's interesting how Chicago has their eyes fixated on Russ now, but I thought thought Chicago was on the table for Sam – God, and, and then San Francisco. You know, I do know people in the building in San Francisco like Sam, and I think they have really soured on Jimmy G. So I think that's that's on the table as well. There's obviously a very easy relationship between the Jets and San Francisco now with the staffs and and Sala and Kyle and Mike Leflore and Kyle and and everybody there. Everybody loves Robert Sala, so you, you can make you can make some very easy phone calls on that front. So I think those are the three spots for Sam. I think May will be on the roster. I think that it's a lot of, uh, a lot of bluffing right now. Listen, you know, I, May May is a 28-year-old free agent. He should want to get his three, year, three years of money right now because he probably knows the safety market sucks and he's going to get a franchise tag again next year. And then he's going to be a 30-year-old free agent and the Jets are going to be like, thanks for everything because that's how this league goes. But I, I think ultimately at the end of the day, you know, because of the franchise tender, you don't have to sign it, make him miss some camp and then sign his tender, show up, be good to go. But is he going to be, you know, playing during the season? Yeah, I think I think so. It would be they just they value him too much. He's a smart guy in the locker room on the back end of the defense and they have they're very young there. And I think Salah Salah and him are a good match. They really are. I know him and Gase were not, and May's not, that's not May. It was a good
0: relationship with Gase yes. other than Gore and Chris Hogan. Yes.
1: And Demarius <laughs> Thomas. And uh, so th- they'll they'll figure things out. I don't think I don't think they'll get a deal done personally. I think it'll he'll just play on the franchise tag.
0: Yeah, the thing with May that's confusing to me is that like you have no leverage. At the end of the day, like no one's it's a great safety a, market, too. The safety market stinks. He wants to be paid, from what I've heard, like Eddie Jackson, and like he's not, not as good happen. as Eddie, Eddie Jackson. And then, if you're again, the age thing's a problem. Um, it's not his, I'm not blaming him, like you, he should want to get his money, like you said. But I don't see that Douglas isn't going to pay a safety $14 million. He wasn't going to pay Jamal. Why would he pay Marcus May? But, um, yeah, no, there's a lot of exciting stuff, obviously. Um, you know, free agency is going to be a fun time it's going to be stressful, but um, the Jets have money. And at the end of the day in a market which nobody has money other than three or four teams and other than the Patriots, they're all pretty bad. Um, you know, it, <laughs> you're picking one of Jacksonville, Denver, New England or the Jets that have money. Um, so yeah, it's going to be an interesting uh, off season, obviously make sure to catch Connor on Badlands with Joe. And then uh, also the, you know, the draft show um, you know, it's, it's a really good show last week. Andrew Whitworth, which awesome with some of his insight into the tackle position, listening to him talk about Penny Sewell, maybe upset. We're not going to probably end up with Penny Sewell, but at the same time, it's really interesting. If you like listening to some of the stuff of the offensive line that you wouldn't be used to hearing a guy that's 39 years old, still playing. There's a reason, there's a reason why. So Um, You know, we obviously really appreciate Connor coming on the show and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have you on with some exciting stuff before the season starts.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Will. Good to talk.